0: IQ stands for intelligence quotient. And since it was talked about in a book in 1912, we've used IQ tests to determine how smart people are. And they say two-thirds of the population has an IQ between 85 and 115. So an IQ of 100 is about average. 5% of the population scores above 125. And 5% scores below 75. People kind of pride themselves if they happen to have a high IQ. And people use it to predict performance, income, success in life. My kid's got a high IQ. She's going to do wonders. And we joke about low IQ. Your IQ is so low, you've got to dig for it. Or maybe if we start telling him his brain is an app, he'll start using it. And if ignorance is bliss, you must be the happiest person on earth. We apply IQ to sports even. There's an article I read this past week about uh, the NBA, National Basketball Association, and free agents. I keep up with that sort of thing. And the writer talked about a player I've always really admired, Pau Gasol, and said in that article that he has a very high basketball IQ. They say that in sports, and that's a way to say he's a smart player. More recently, there have been books and studies on EQ. Have you heard of this? EQ, emotional intelligence. And the idea was made popular in a book from 1995. EQ or EI, it's. I'm going to read the uh, the quote here. It's the capability of individuals to recognize their own and other people's emotions, discern between different feelings, and label those feelings appropriately. Use emotional information to guide their thinking and behavior, and manage and or adjust their emotions. To adapt to environments or to achieve one's goals the subtitle the book in 1995 was called emotional intelligence why it can matter more than IQ and many who write about it say EQ is a greater predictor of success in life than IQ and it's because of course work in life is so much about relationships and about being able to know your own feelings and your emotions and how to react to situations, people with high EQ will do well because life is so much about people. We function increasingly today in teams at work. And there's always, of course, a manager you're responsible to or people that are responsible to you. So we're constantly interacting with people. We have daily attempts to read and respond to perhaps our our wife, our kids, other family members, friends. People have sort of a natural EQ, but unlike IQ, they say emotional intelligence can be developed. You can grow in this. You can get better at it if you're not so good. Solomon was the writer of much of Proverbs, of course, and he wrote famously in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. And we find that to be the case here too because he tells us in Proverbs that the wise person understands the importance of, of mastering his emotions. And based on the pearls of wisdom we've read about in relation to our emotions, I think we can discern keys to increasing our EQ as believers, or maybe we'll call it EW, our emotional wisdom. The key to biblical wisdom in terms of our emotions is, first of all, that we exercise self control. The wise person exercises self control. Many times, Proverbs speaks against anger when in relation to saying we should be self controlled. When we show excessive anger, especially, our emotions have gotten out of control. Proverbs 14.30 says that a heart at peace gives life to the body. The Johns Hopkins Medical Journal once reported, people who have uneven temperaments appear to have a much greater chance of developing serious illness and of dying young than those with other temperaments, more even temperaments. Anger, especially, we know it's just bad for your health. It can destroy your body, like Proverbs says. Anger is far worse for your body than anxiety. Far worse than extreme sorrow. It's even worse than like if you would do extreme exercise that could be so extreme that it could even damage bones and joints and ligaments. Anger is bad for your heart. Pastor Tim Keller says anger is the most addictive of all the emotions, too. And just like an addiction, anger can involve denial. I'm not angry. I'm just sticking up for myself. I'm not angry. I'm just a political activist. I'm looking out for justice for people. I'm not angry. I'm just getting my feelings off my chest. I just tell it like it is. I'm a direct speaker. And in order to deny that you're angry, you've got to get angrier still. Hey, I've got a right to these feelings. That person really ticked me off. What he did wasn't right. I'm not going to let him treat me that way. And that cycle of anger to denying you're angry to more anger becomes addictive, similar to how shopping or alcohol or viewing explicit photos and videos can become addictive. It's addictive. Maybe you've heard the advice, just get it out, those feelings. It's healthy to vent. But it's not true. It's unhealthy to vent. It's unhealthy to get angry, says the Bible. It gets worse if you give in to the anger. You become angrier and you damage yourself. A lady once came up to Billy Sunday If you know know that name, maybe you've heard it, but he was a famous athlete who became a famous and great evangelist, an athlete in the late 1800s and then an evangelist in the early 1900s. The woman was trying to rationalize these angry outbursts she had. There's nothing wrong with losing my temper, she said. I blow up and then it's all over. Sunday replied, well, so does a shotgun. And look at the damage it leaves behind. I have a confession to make about getting angry, and I'm a little ashamed about it, but I know you love me and care for me. I think you'll forgive me. I think my family has. It applies. I think I should share it. Sarah and I were driving with our younger daughters a few weeks ago. I think it was when the older two were on the service project, actually. We, were, we wanted to check out Blackwell Forest Preserve. We've never been there, and it's not that far away. And we thought we'd make it special by picking up subs on the way and have a little picnic. We found a Jimmy John's drive through uh, off of Roosevelt on Naperville R- Road, um, you know, as you get in Wheaton closer to Winfield. We ordered at the Speaker, and I, I just got to say, right off the bat, I really don't like ordering at drive-thrus. I always have some sort of misunderstanding through that speaker. I like to see a person's face. Or, so I, I got to like repeat myself many times, or it takes me forever looking at the menu because it seems like they expect you to like know exactly what you want. But I hardly ever go to drive throughs so I got to like check it out. And I feel the pressure of that. And so I I tried to figure out how many subs we needed and what kind. And then Sarah said, well, be nice because we're going to be outside to have lemonade. And so I added that. And then I saw a combo meal, lemonade plus chips. And I thought, well, I'm going to make it even nicer. And it was hardly more than getting the drink anyway. So I I changed from the lemonade to the combo meal. And and then I, I decided what type of chips we needed, ordered the chips. Sarah reminded me that one of the girls in the backseat didn't like that type of chip. So I ordered it. I, I changed my order again. And then, because it was a special outing, I thought I'd really splurge. I buy very minimal at drive-thrus. But I thought I'd splurge, make it special for everybody, and get chocolate chip cookies. But just two. The four of us would split them. And right after I ordered the cookies, Sarah said something gently about one for, maybe one for each of us, just a reasonable suggestion that we could all have our own cookie. And that was the final straw. <laughs> I was not willing to spend an extra penny or change my order one more time. I did not respond well to that simple request And between the speaker and the window, I expressed my feelings in a way that was not the best. And I felt justified at the time because I had been put over the edge. And I maybe continued on a little bit after we paid and got the food. I did not control my emotions very well. And afterwards, I felt very foolish. I felt like the fool in Proverbs. I'm guessing, I'm hoping your laughter means I'm not the only one that has let anger overtake them. And of course, this is why Proverbs deals with anger and other out-of-control emotions, because as human beings, we struggle with this. And you know, as I think about it, even more so because we're in a culture where out-of-control emotions rule the day. You turn on the so-called news and people are yelling at us, even sports news. People are literally yelling and shouting at us, the news or their opinions about stuff. They might just be doing it for the show and the ratings and not really feeling that way in their hearts, but the effect is the same. We're all getting used to overly heightened emotions, Emotions that are way beyond what the situation calls for. We get used to this. It spills over to how we act and think and speak about politics and sports and everyday life and subs. If we don't exercise self-control, before you know it, we're getting all worked up. We're yelling and shouting in our homes, at our kids, at our spouse, in the church. I'm adding church, but I want to say I'm so impressed with our church and over the years the level of self-control that I've seen in people. I see it in conversations. I see that self-control in elders' meetings. I see it in council meetings. And I mention the church because you hear stories of -of out-of-control emotions in churches, and it's not right That damages our kids. It damages young people. It damages new believers. It's damaging to all of us. Faith church isn't perfect, but I've learned myself something of self-control in terms of church life from so many of you here. So I really thank you for that. Anger and other emotions, inappropriate to the context, are all around us in our world. But Proverbs says that's not the path you want to walk. Proverbs 12:16 A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. It's exactly the opposite of the way we act today. We don't overlook insults. We get upset about them because we should be. Proverbs 14:29 A quick-tempered man displays folly. Proverbs 25:28 Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. We could spend some time really picking that apart that it's not not a compliment. If a, a man is is lacks self-control, you're like a city whose walls are broken down. this is the opposite of that. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even-tempered. Proverbs 29.22, a hot-tempered man commits many sins. And 29.11, but a wise man keeps himself under control. If you want to increase your emotional intelligence, exercise self control when you get angry when you vent there's a snowball effect you'll become an angrier person you'll become more difficult because you're exercising those emotions the anger and when you exercise something you know what it gets stronger and you get more used to using them but if you keep exercising self-control those emotional muscles will get stronger And you'll get used to being more of a measured person, a wise person, like Proverbs says. Second, you can increase your EQ or EW by extending your patience to others. Extend your patience to others. It's better for yourself to keep your emotions in check. It's downright healthier, but it's better for others too And that's something we care about because the Christian life is an outward life. It's not only about mastering our inner life. We care about those around us. In fact, we love them. In addition to self-control, patience is mentioned as a remedy to anger and other emotions that are over the top for a particular situation. Proverbs 15.18, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. 19.11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Anger and out-of-control emotions damage relationships. They damage families. They damage marriages. They damage churches. But patience is healing. When you're controlled in your heart and have a peace there and then extend that peace to others, even to someone who maybe has wronged you, it can be a balm and an otherwise festering wound that sin has caused to erupt. Patience can bring a calm. It can help those around us. <coughs> On October two. Of 2006, a shooter came into the one-room West Nickel Mines Amish school. It was a one-room schoolhouse lined up ten of the girls. Five were killed and five were injured. Some of you remember this. Those who died were Naomi, age 7, Marion, age 13, Anna Mae, age 12, Lena, age 8, Mary, age 7. After the shootings, the killer turned the gun on himself, and a week later, the school was razed and a new one built nearby, and that's where these kids go to school now in the new building. That tragedy drew the attention of that whole region, but also the nation and even the world. As, you know, there's of course this shock and horror about what happened. As those feelings faded from those who were reporting on it, they were replaced with feelings of, of disbelief and awe at what they saw in that community. As one article puts it, <clears throat> it's one thing to talk about compassion, forgiveness, community, and faith, It's another to see those values played out by individuals and an entire community. Almost immediately after the shootings, the Amish community reached out to comfort the shooter's parents, Chuck and Terry Roberts, and many in the Amish community showed up at the funeral for Charles. They went to the funeral of the guy who shot their children. All this and more was happening while the families in the community were having to work through their own painful grief and healing process. And the tendency when we're hurt is to respond in anger and hate. It's to strike back. What's the difference of this between how most people in the world would respond with, with anger? Janice Bellinger There's a former coroner and EMT in that county. She was among the first, she was part of the community. She was among the first on the scene of the schoolhouse. And in a career of seeing many tragedies, she says, this one was really, really hard. There's no way I'd have the patience to do my job week by week. Basically, it's my faith that's carrying me through. And that was true for that whole quiet Christian community. Their faith is what allowed them to respond in that way. Their faith led to a patience rather than payback. Donald Grable, a professor at a nearby college, wrote in 2006, Amish people model their lives after the suffering Jesus who carried his cross without complaint and who hanging on the cross extended forgiveness to his tormentors. Cable writes, that's why words of forgiveness were sent to the killer's family before the blood had dried on the schoolhouse floor. It was just the natural thing to do. The Amish way of doing things, he said. The love the widow of the shooter felt from the community was unforgettable. Among all kinds of acts of kindness in the days after the shooting, a group of Amish men arrived at her house The day of the murders to express sorrow for her loss, a church paid for the shooter's funeral expenses, and strangers set up a trust fund for her children, though the wife had no idea her husband was going to do this. One of the parents of the girl said, I realized if I didn't forgive him, I would have the same hole in my heart that he must have had, and a root of bitterness never brings peace to anyone we are called to forgive extending patience to others instead of payback the wise person doesn't lash out even in the hardest of situations even when you are wronged you extend your patience and that can bring healing to others as all Christians know this is only by possible it sounds impossible But it is possible by turning to the one who lived with perfect self-control and extended such patience that as he hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And when we turn to him, his atoning sacrifice speaks forgiveness to each one of us in our sin for those times that we've been out of control and impatient and angry And in doing so, have hurt ourselves, have hurt others and those close to us. So if you have trouble with your emotions today, Jesus' resurrection can give you power and new life to have all the fruit of his spirit, the way he lived, including the fruit of self-control and patience. Third this morning, experience pure desire. And you know what? We're going to pick it up there next week. The Bible shows us an inner dimension to being wise with our emotions, having self-control, an outward dimension, extending patience. But there's an upward dimension too of how to get our emotions where they need to be. And that's this experiencing pure desire. Our songs after the message will point the way to next week in that theme. And we'll have the details next week in the message. You know, just talking about that real quick, you do know we have CDs and DVDs that if you ever have to miss a service and you want to catch a certain sermon, you can get one of those. Also, all our sermons are on the website, and you can even subscribe to our church's podcast. And one more thing, between this week and next, and as the weeks go on, Remember that summer prayer and word challenge that I gave in the first message on Proverbs. Pray the five main themes of Proverbs for yourself. Could you put that up there, Ryan? Do you mind? A couple slides. That, see where it says praying Proverbs? Pray for those five main themes of Proverbs. Pray it for yourself. Pray for your spouse, your loved ones. And then also read Proverbs. Talk about them with, at your table. 31 chapters in the book, whatever day of the month it is, read that chapter, read that part of a chapter. We just read Proverbs 10 last night at dinner because it was July 10. These reminders, what you have up there, are on uh, a little card that Nikki in the office put together for us. And you can pick them up at the Welcome Center or the sign-up counter. If you go out these main exits and into the narthex, you can pick them up. I hope you take one. I hope it's a help and a guide as we seek to grow in wisdom and be spiritually refreshed this summer in Jesus' as we're faithful in prayer and as we're faithful in God's Word together. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for your Word. We're amazed at its continual relevance written so many years ago but inspired by you, Lord, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, who created us, who knows us, who knows our hearts through and through, who knows what we need, who knows uh, that we need Jesus, who knows that that a piece of turning our lives over completely to our Lord and Savior, uh, an important piece is mastering our emotions. Lord, for all of us who need to work on that self-control and patience, uh, give us your peace. Fill us with your spirit. Uh, not the spirit of sin, and make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.